Boom. Y'all ready for the word, church? Ooh, boy. I mean, it's one of my favorite things to preach on. I think we preach on this a lot, right? We do. We, we just believe it. It's the, it's the basis for everything that we believe. Uh, it, it, it's just, uh, I get so, I get a little excited sometimes, yes? <laughs> this is one of those subjects where I get really excited. I could talk about this stuff all day long. Don't worry. Don't worry. I know everybody wants to eat and everything. I get it. It's going to be good. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is the truth. Thank you for changing people's lives. God, teaching them to see Jesus in everything that we do, everything that we read. God, we love Jesus, and we thank you that his love for us never fails. His love for us is always the same. It's constant. It never changes. Not even when we're down. God, you love us the same no matter what. You've accepted us. You've qualified us for every blessing from above. Thank you for what Jesus has done. Thank you for changing lives in here this morning as they see exactly what Jesus has done for them. We love your word. We can't get enough of it. God, speak through me this morning. Use me as a vessel to bring hope to people, to bring the truth to people. In Jesus' name, amen. Bible says that Jesus arose from the dead on the third day. Amen? Amen. On the third day, he rose from the dead. I just want to give you some numbers real quick. There are four Gospels. There's three that are synoptic. There's four Gospels altogether. John's Gospel is included there. 89 chapters in all those Gospels. Four chapters deal with Jesus' birth until the age of 12. 85 are the last three and a half years of his life. 27 are the last eight days of his life. So you tell me, church, what's most important to God? What do you think is most important, Christmas or Easter? And yet the world celebrates Christmas more and not Easter as much. But, man, without Easter, there's nothing. Without Easter, the birth doesn't even matter. And I say that in respect to to our Father in heaven. But I'm going to tell you that this is so important. Even, Even in Scripture, if you go to the Old Covenant, the, the creation of the universe took one chapter. Genesis chapter 1. But there were seven chapters, right, in, in talking about redemption in the building of the temple when Moses was on. We saw that a couple weeks ago, yeah? So this is so important that, that God, if you break down the numbers sometimes and step back, you're like, whoa. Yeah? You feel that way? Yeah. So Jesus rose from the dead three days later. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. If you were, if, listen, before we get, if, if somebody were to ask you, hey, give me the Bible in a nutshell. Just give me the most important thing in the Bible. The, the, the most important thing in the Bible, give it to me in just one, just one sentence. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, you would be like, so if you're lost, we know Jesus, but if you're lost, what about Jesus? Right? So Paul does that, man. Paul was deep, but Paul makes it clear right here. 1 Corinthians 15, you'll see it. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received and which you stand, by which also you are saved if you hold fast that word which I preached. He was preaching something different than what the, the Pharisees were preaching. The Pharisees were preaching law, law, law. You got it, you got it, you got it. Man, Paul came with something different. Paul knew the law. But Jesus changed him. Jesus showed up on that road, man, and changed him, blinded him. And blinding him, 
you might think is like, why would Jesus do that to somebody? Because he, he, the Bible says he went around healing all who were sick and oppressed by the devil. Uh, but he didn't listen. There's a reason why it's a metaphor kind of thing, because Paul was blinded. Right. Because he was blinded. He was under the law. That's why he can say, man, I once was blind, but now I see not not the scales that were on his eyes, but he was under law. He was blinded to the fact of what, what Jesus truly came for. And then and then when his eyes were opened by Ananias, whose name means grace, when his eyes were opened to the grace, to the gospel, man, that's when he started to see everything. And some of you guys can say that same thing today because now you 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 may have grew up like I did in a church that just preached law and preached law and man I got to do this and I feel so bad because I'm not doing it all that stuff right there man but once you taste freedom you can't go back there's no way Paul was going to back up Pat was he, in fact he says man I'm moving forward I'm not going back so uh, to you unless you believed in vain. Uh, for I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. Now, in the original, this first of all means most importantly, I delivered to you that which I received. What is it? That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That's one of the most important things you can tell anybody. Christ died for your sins. That's what he did. And so not only that. It was bound to happen <laughs> that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. So the most important thing, what you should start off with up close and up front and up personal is that Christ died for your sins. He was buried and he rose from the grave on the third day. Most important thing in the Bible. According to Paul, right? And that he was seen by Kephas. Anybody know who that is? Peter, he was seen by Peter, then by the 12. Now, what's important about Peter? Peter denied Jesus. Peter denied him three times. And, and you know, you get on Facebook and you see, and I always say this, I want you to think about this. You see people say, hey, if you don't, if you don't repost this, you're denying God. And, and, and God says, if you deny me, you know, you'll go to hell and all that. You didn't people, it's, don't forward that crap. It's just dumb. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Peter denied him three times, Right? Did God, did Jesus show up and say, to hell with you, Peter, you denied me three times. I'm denying you right now. No, he didn't. In fact, the Bible says right here that, see, most people think that in John, in the last chapter, when, um, when, when Jesus was on the shore and Peter saw them, right? And Peter jumped in and, and God restored Peter. God said, hey, um, do you, uh, do you love me, Peter? And Peter said, Lord, you know I love you, right? But see, that restoration was a restoration to ministry. That wasn't a restoration of Peter's guilt and all that and, 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 his, and his coming back to Jesus. That happened, we'll never know, because it was a private meeting. It's only found right here, and it's found in uh, when the two disciples are walking that road, and they say, he has risen and appeared to Peter. So there's two spots. We'll never know. But this is the restoration of Peter. In other words, when Jesus looked at Peter, Peter ran away. He was crying. He was bawling his eyes out. He felt guilt. He felt shame. And, and, and then all of a sudden, Jesus looks at him, right? He denies him. Peter, Jesus even said that to Peter. Jesus said, hey, man, you're going to deny me before the rooster crows three times. But I have prayed for you, Peter. I have prayed that your faith would not fail. Not that Peter wouldn't fail. 
but his faith wouldn't fail. In other words, you're going to fail. But when you fail, I want your faith to be built up. I want you to see me. Stay with me, Peter. Stay with me. I love you. See, I was taught that look was a look of shame. Now, Peter put his head down and ran because he, he, he disappointed Jesus. And then guess what? My whole life, I thought I was disappointing Jesus. I thought every time I messed up, God was up there going... But that's not true, man. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says Jesus knows we're going to fail, but he's praying that our faith won't fail. All right, and after that, he was seen by over 500 brethren. That way, nobody could say, hey, man, those people are out of their mind. They're seeing stuff. A lot of people saw him, right? Uh, uh, 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain at the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also and by one as by one born out of due time. Paul saw Jesus on the road to Damascus. Um, and his eyes were open. We went there already. So I want to show you a story real quick. It's one chapter. It's John chapter 20. The the time that Jesus rose from the grave. All right. It's going to be there's so many nuggets up in here. It's going to blow your mind. Now, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. I want you guys to know that the stone was not rolled away for Jesus to get out. The stone was rolled away for us to look in. Okay? Jesus, he transcended those grave clothes. He could transcend. See, I was telling you, man, some people think that when Jesus comes back, we're going to hear that loud sound and people are going to need to run out the exit because our heads will hit the top of the roof and we won't be able to get out. We'll be like, hold on, Jesus, don't leave yet. I'm stuck. Right. Listen, our our bodies are going to be way back to the dust. We're going to be a spirit. We have a new body. We're going to rise up through transcend this stuff. Right. Jesus didn't have to walk out of the grave. It's not what he did. You with me? So the stone was rolled away for us to look in, not for him to come out. All right. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. Who's that? John. He, John's, whose book is this? John. John has some issues. He spoke about himself in third person. Now, he knew who he was. You'll see that. I, uh, whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Now Mary's love for Jesus was legit. Her faith was lacking. Yeah? She, she loved Jesus. She loved Jesus, but her faith was not where it should be. And so she, Jesus had told them he, this was going to happen. Right? So he went, and uh, she came and said, we don't know where they, where they are, where he, they put them. And then Peter therefore went out, and the other disciple and we're going to the tomb. So they both ran together. And the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. He just had to throw that in there. He's a guy. He's like, look, I'm faster than old Pete. Right? But nothing's in there by chance. And I want you to think about this. If the last thing Peter saw said to Jesus was, was, was denying him with cursing and swearing. When you're focused on your guilt and your shame. You don't want to run to God. You don't want to run and see it because you're held by by condemnation. If you fail, you you kind of like the last thing you want to do is go stand before somebody that like God, a judge. You see him as a judge. See this. Peter wasn't restored yet here. 
He wasn't yet. He wasn't. He was not yet restored. Uh, so so he is not running as fast as John. John ran because he wanted to see it. Peter wanted to see it also, but condemnation holds him back. How many of you guys have ever felt guilty and dirty and like you didn't deserve to go stand before the Lord? Like he didn't want to see you right now. Like he wanted you to go stand in a corner for a little bit. That's not who our God is. He says, you come as you are. You come right now. Come to me. Come to me. Come straight to me because I love you. I want to wrap my arms around you. I'm not against you. Your sin has been paid for. Just come to me. But Satan says he, he, it's not time. He doesn't want to see you right now. See, God doesn't have a secretary. You go right into that office door. <laughs> you can just bust in there and say, here I am, Father. Here I am. I failed you again. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for not looking at me as a failure. Thank you for still qualifying me. Thank you for using me for your glory. Thank you for making all this stuff that I made happen work for my good. That's the conversation we have. Yeah. All right. Uh, oh, and he stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying there, yet he did not go in. So John looks in there. He stoops down, looks in there, sees the linen clothes lying there. That's interesting because they said a thief came and took him. Well, if a thief is going to come and take him, why would a thief spend time unwrapping him? Does that make any sense? You see the word lying there. Don't just skip over that stuff. Yeah, they were lying there, man. And linen was expensive back in the day. You go look at your Jewish history books. The linen was fine. linen was expensive. A thief would not. Why would they take a body and not take the linen? Amen. And also the Pharisees were going around in Acts, the book of Acts, trying to trying to stop the, the disciples from speaking this stuff. And uh, they would say that, you know, that the body was stolen and all that. Well, if it was taken, you know what? All they had to do was produce the body and it would have shut the disciples up. They couldn't produce it. You know why? Because he rose. <laughs> because it's true. Love that man. So he saw the lone, uh, the lying clothes laying, lying there, yet he did not go in. You're going to see the word saw here three times. Now, in the Greek, there's three different words. And I think that they represent the three stages of Christianity. I'll show you this. There's deep truths here. Okay, receive it if you want. Look at this word, the first word he saw. It's called blipo. Say blipo. Blipo. It's of the bodily eye. In other words, it's natural vision. John looked in, natural eyes saw the body was not there. Natural eyes saw Jesus wasn't there. You with me? All right. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen clothes lying there. So what is the word for saw there? Do you think it's a, the, now if you're reading this in original Greek, that's the Holy Spirit version of the Bible. English is not the Holy Spirit version of the Bible. It, so in Greek, they're seeing three different words. That means there's something there different. And so this is the next word you'll see that it's called therio. What English word do we get from that, do you think? Theory. So Peter's looking at it going, now how in the world? How could the stone come? Why are those clothes lying? Where is Jesus? How could this have happened? That's the Christian that's still questioning stuff. That's the Christian saying, hey, it sounds good, but how? I mean, really? Jesus is going to die for my sins? I'm still saved even though I sin? That doesn't make sense. It doesn't because it's called love. It's called grace. It's something we don't understand down here, right? Until the Holy Spirit shows up and says, hey, this is what it means. And we're like, whoa. Right? So Peter's theorizing about that stuff. 
beautiful. Another thing that happened is that the disciples were so afraid, they were scared to death, right? But then when Jesus shows up later in this chapter, they're not afraid anymore. Something happened. You can't go from a group of men being scared to death to not worrying about dying afterwards. Something happened. Jesus showed up. He literally showed up. So you see the word theorize there. That's good. That's better than just seeing with your natural eyes. Some Christians just see with their natural eyes and they're like, this is it. Some people think about it. Okay. Then Simon Peter came following him, went into the tomb, and he saw the linen clothes lying there and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded together in a place by itself. See, he's thinking, why are they folded together? And by the way, if a thief is going to take time to steal something, is he going to fold clothes afterwards? He's going to say, hey, hold up, man. My mama taught me to fold clothes. Okay, let's go. Right? That doesn't make any sense, does it? So his body, is it pretty clear his body was not stolen? Yeah. So, so Peter's theorizing, because why is that folded there like that, right? All right. Then the other disciple, this is John, uh, John again, who came to the tomb first, went in also, and he saw and believed. Now check this out. The word for this, the word for saw here is, is different. It means to inspect, examine, to look at, behold, to experience any state or condition, to see have an interview with, to visit, but here's what this one means, to know, to know of anything. It's, it's a revelation kind of scene. It's, 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 it's literally, he saw and he believed. He, he believed. He didn't know how to believe, but he had a revelation about everything that Jesus had said before, and all the prophets in the Old Testament were pointing to Jesus, and he had that revelation right there when he saw it. Three different words for saw. If you're a Greek reading this in the original, which is the Holy Spirit reading, you would see that. But in our English, we get cheated. That's why it's important you study your Bibles. You see this stuff. It's very, I love when the youth are looking up words in Greek and Hebrew. I love it, man. They're being taught that, and that's what they do. And they have, they're seeing with revelation eyes. It's a beautiful thing, man. And then you can't help but get enough more of it. You're like, wait, that's there. There's got to be something else there, too. And you start looking, you start looking, the Holy Spirit gives you stuff, man. It's awesome. Amen? All right, so let's go. For as yet they did not know the scripture that, because the, the, the Bible hadn't been written yet, <laughs> uh, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes, but Mary, Mary Magdalene, stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb and she saw, there's the word saw again there, two angels in white sitting, one at the head, the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Now we, you know how we, she saw the real Ark of the Covenant, yeah? It's the first place that we see angels sitting because the work is finished, right? There's no more work, they're sitting. Now these are angels, angels. Most people think you think of angels, you think of angels with wings. They're just sitting up there and just, they look like they got those long hair and they're like. <laughs> you know the Bible? Nowhere in the Bible does it say angels has wings. In the original, in the original, no wings. And, and also, you know this? There's no female angels in the Bible. Right, look, I ain't trying to say, I'm just saying, isn't it? It's not. Cherubim are different. Cherubim are not angels, they're created beings. It's just a little nugget. Just thought that somebody ever asked you. If you see the little woman angel, you'd be like, lie! <laughs> Don't do that. 
There may be, they're just not in the Bible. Amen. Why did I even bring that up? All right, so she saw angels sitting there, right, where the body of Jesus had lain. Uh, then they said to her, woman, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. She still didn't believe, but she loved. what made her love Jesus so much? This is the same woman who Jesus cast seven demons out of. He, he lo- the reason she loved him so much is because she knew that he loved her first. He knew that when, when she walked into that, uh, to that, that house, the tax collector, and she was weeping and she was, she was pouring out the oil on his feet and, 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 and she's wiping his feet with her hair. And, 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 the, and the guy goes, he's like, Jesus, if you knew what kind of, or he didn't even say Jesus, he's a teacher. If you knew what kind of woman that was, you wouldn't let her do that. She's a great sinner. And then Jesus went on to tell the story. The reason she loves me much is because she knows she's forgiven much. The more you know how forgiven you are, the more you will love Jesus. That's just that's why we preach the finished work. That's why you have a sense of the love of of Christ in your life. That's why we love Jesus much, because we know how forgiven we are. And the worst sinners like Mary, the first man he appeared to was Peter, the one who failed him. I believe that Judas if if he would have just waited a couple more hours, he would have saw Jesus die for him and his sins would have been forgiven. But he tried to pay for it himself. How many of you guys are trying to pay for your sins when they're already forgiven? So Peter, who failed Jesus, looked at him, failed him, cut, cursed and swore that he didn't know him. That's the first one who Jesus gave the honor to show up to. But the first person right out of the grave is mary a weeping woman i love the fact that the first person jesus comes to is a woman who was a great sinner and she was weeping and and what a what a beautiful picture of our lord that is if you are weeping if you're a woman who has no hope there is hope jesus will be there he's there he'll do it in the form of a person he might even show up but i know the holy spirit will be there So she, she's, she's like, man, I don't know where they're taking him. Her faith is really lacking, right? But then she turned around. She turned around. Angels were sitting there, and she turned around. What would you do if angels were sitting there? Her heart, you know why she didn't care about that? She only had eyes for Jesus. She only wanted to see where Jesus was. There were angels there. We would have taken a selfie. It'd be like, look, look, bro. Can you tone down the light real quick? Cause you're messing up my camera. Wouldn't we? If we see something like that, we—that's the first thing we think of. Now, Mary, Mary was looking for Jesus. She only had eyes for Jesus. May we all have eyes for Jesus that way. And so she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there, and did not know that it was Jesus. He didn't let her know yet, right? So Jesus said to her, "Woman, why are you weeping?" Whom are you seeking? Is she supposing him to be a gardener? Now that's interesting. Why a gardener? What was Adam's job? Jesus is the second Adam. <laughs> He's a greater gardener. But Adam was a gardener. And when Adam was dropped in, he was dropped in the finished work. All that stuff was done. All he had to do was sit there and name stuff. 
They, he got dropped into perfection. When Jesus, the second Adam, got dropped, he got dropped into evil. And yet he overcame it to get us back to the garden. And that's why it said garden. It could have said anything. She saw a grave digger. No, she saw a gardener because he was restoring us back to the original garden. Beautiful. And she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Here's another thing to think about. Mary just expects everybody to know who she's talking about. She never says Jesus, even when she was talking to the angels. She's like, I don't know what y'all, they taking away my master. They could have been like, well, who is that? She's not, she just assumed, isn't that what love does? When you're so in love, you don't, you don't care if people know or not. You just assume they do. And she's just talking about Jesus like everybody knows who he is. That's what love does. Right? That's real love does that. You know, man, I can't, I met this girl. She's so awesome. She's just beautiful. Inside and out. Inside and out. She just loves. She's so bright when she walks in the room. Man, it's like a dreamboat kind of thing. Right? And then you, and then nobody tells you one day it could be a Titanic. But, and what do you do in the meantime? How do you handle that stuff, right? Hey, hey amen? Listen, the reason I say that is because don't just, you can get that gooey feeling and everything, man. I get that at Taco Bell. So, hey, listen, that doesn't mean you're in love. That doesn't mean you're in love. That means do it the right way. Spend some time, get to know him. That's what Mary did. Mary was in love with Jesus, but she knew him. She knew what he did for her. Yeah, it's beautiful, man. Don't ever skip over stuff like that. There's little nuggets of life in there, man. And, and so she didn't know where they took him away. And then Jesus said one word to her, one word that turned her from a, a weeper to a worshiper. And that was her name. Jesus knew her by name. Jesus knows you by name. And when he calls your name, there's great comfort and your eyes are open. And he said, woman, when he said, woman, why are you weeping? That is a picture of God talking to his creation. But when he said by her name, Mary, that's a savior addressing his sheep. Totally different. Jesus is both God and human. He's our savior and he knows you by name. And that's what got her attention. Jesus said to her, Mary, that's why when people preach God, 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 you know, in in an old covenant church, when all you hear is God, 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 God. Man, if you're not hearing Jesus, the name above all names, God wants you to know more about Jesus than him, because Jesus is the true picture of who God is today. He's a God of love. He's not a God judging you anymore. Once you accept Jesus, your judgment has been put on Jesus or it's been put on him and it's not for you anymore. And now anybody can receive him. Anybody, the worst sinner can come to him. She was a great sinner. And she came to him. And, and Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me. That sounds kind of rude. She's crying. She, he's like, she, if he has to say do not cling to me, that means she what? She cling to him. Why would Jesus say that? Because Jesus is the first fruit. The first fruit always goes to the Father. He had not yet presented himself to the Father yet. So he just fresh out the grave is what I'm telling you. But some people think he went up, came back down, he, he, went to, he went to hell to release all the captives. He was doing that three days into the grave, right? Or the day he was in the grave. We preached on that last year. 
maybe in two weeks. But last year, you remember, he went down to hell. He was busy. He wasn't just sitting there waiting, pacing back and forth in the tomb. So before he goes to the father, he tells her, look, he's this is for him. He's got to be the first one. Everything has to be about that first fruit to the father that he wasn't being mean. He was just I got to go to my father first. Right. And after that, you can hug me all day long. Uh, and oh, this is important. I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God, right? That's the first time that we see in scripture that we can address God as our father. Used to be God, 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 my father, God, right? Now it's your father. It's your God. The same God that spoke the universe into existence. The same God that divided the Red Sea. The same God that sent chariot down to pick up Elijah and take him straight to heaven. The same God that, that was born of a virgin. The same God that would go around healing everybody he saw. The same God that would give uh, sight back to the people who were blind. The same God that opened up the, the ears of the deaf. The same God that raised people from the dead. That's our God. That's our father. He's not just God. He's got a title now. A title that says we can go to him. A title that is accepted by him. We, we can go to him as father. How many of us grew up not being able to go to our father? He's like, man, you come to me, come to me. When you're hurting, I want you to come to me. When you fail, I want you to run to me. Because I'm your hope, I'm your peace. Don't focus on the fact that you fail. I love, now in the Bible, you don't see Jesus falling, right? You don't, you don't hear about that stuff, but in the movie of the Passion, you see Jesus fall. He's, he fell, and his mom has that vision of when he fell when he was a kid, right? <laughs> And uh, and she went running to him to pick him up. I love that. Bless you. I love the fact that that's God's heart, man. That's God's heart. He will he will pick you up. When that father saw his son, the prodigal son, he ran. He didn't wait. He ran because he loved him. And that story is all about the father loving us. When we come back, he doesn't wait for us to come back. He'll meet us halfway. Woo, Mary Magdalene came and the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. I love the fact, too, that he says, go and tell my brothers. That's the first time also in Scripture that Jesus refers to himself as our brother. Go and tell my brother, my brothers. We are brothers with the same father who also happens to be God, the creator of everything. You see the sense of family now? Now, don't forget, he just rose, and he's already speaking differently. How many of you guys know that in Revelation 21, there's two big, big, big sins that get you thrown into the lake of fire first? First one, cowardly, fearfulness is the original word. Second one is unbelieving. We always think it's the, (laughs) the murderers, the sexual immoral. Those guys are going to hell. Well, fear is a sin. Lack of believing is a sin. Faith, faithlessness is a sin. Two of those things get you thrown in the lake of fire. No one ever talks about those, man. Murdering. Oh, 
They will even add stuff. If you're drinking all the time, you're going to hell. <laughs> really? You guys ever grow up thinking that stuff? Yeah, did drugs, you're going to hell. There's no repentance for it. <laughs> and it, that's the way it makes you feel. And then you feel like, well, what's the point of trying? What's the point of going to church? I'm already done for. But meanwhile, deep down, there's something that's longing for acceptance from the Lord. And only love will bring that back. Only love can get that back to you. So two big sins right there up front. Fearfulness, cowardice and unbelieving. So those things will get you thrown into the lake of fire. Well, let's go back to John chapter 20. Then the same day at evening being the first day of the week when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for they were afraid fear of the Jews they were afraid that's the first thing that should get you thrown in the lake of fire but what does Jesus do Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and said to them peace peace be with you he didn't say repent how can you be afraid don't you know fear will get you thrown into hell no he didn't say confess your fear no, he came supplying. He didn't come demanding. He came supplying. And he supplied them with peace. Because that's what he does now. He's not condemning you. That fear that is in Revelation 21 is not for you if you've accepted Christ. Can't go to hell because you're afraid. Listen, God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but a power. But how many of you do we fear fear? We, we have fear. We do. Because we're in this world. But even then, Jesus wants you to be reminded that peace, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Now, the word peace is uh, Irene. If your name is Irene, it means peace in Greek. It, look at this. A state of national, uh, yeah, national tranquility, exemption from the rage and havoc of war. Not just war, war. Right? Peace between individuals, harmony, security. Security. Safety. There's that P word that I'm not supposed to say. Prosperity. Right? I, listen, it's in the Bible. Some chick named Felicity. Because peace and harmony make and keep things safe and prosperous. Peace and harmony keep things safe and not just safe, but prosperous. That means God makes it work for your benefit of the Messiah's peace, the way that leads to peace. Man, I love that definition. Peace is not just peace of mind. It's prosperity. It's protection. You see it right there? That's what we got to know. And so listen, the word for peace, and I told you guys this, but some of you guys are new. He, it's, it's shalom in Hebrew. And see, this is Greek. But if Jesus would have showed up to his Hebrew boys, is he going to speak Greek to them or Hebrew? Hebrew. So in the Hebrew, it would be shalom, which also means peace, security, frame of mind it means prosperity it has a safety all those things are wrapped up in peace and he would have said shalom and we know you guys know that the root word for shalom is shalem shalem means to pay it means to pay right so when jesus shows up here he's saying man all this peace has been paid for it's been paid for amen all right let's finish up the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive 
because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. This, this is about Jesus and leaving that spirit behind us. And he says this, church. How many of you guys want peace in your life? How many of you guys, listen, just honestly, show hands. You really are looking for peace in your life in every situation. Man, God tells you this. He says, let not your heart be troubled. That's the only thing we got to do. My peace I give to you. Our only part is to let not. That's it. That's the only part. Let not your peace or your, your heart trouble you. And let not. Satan will come up to you and he'll say stuff like, well, what about tomorrow? What about your schoolwork coming up? What about this project coming up? What about your work? What about your job? And you say, no. The Bible says, let not my heart be troubled. And, and, and Satan will come up to you and say, hey, you just got that medical, medical report. The doctor said there's no hope. Got six months. Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. You look at that thing, you say, my heart is not going to be troubled. And then and Satan will say, well, how can that be possible? You look at the chart. And I say, I don't know how it's possible, but God told me to say, let not my heart be troubled. Are you take it up with Jesus. Don't come talking to me. I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. Our only part, church, is to let not our heart be troubled. That's it. Why? Because he's given us his peace. And the more troubled you are, the more stirred up you are, you can't see the peace. If you're looking for peace, let me just tell you, stop looking. It's in you. You have the peace of God. It's the part where we have to let not that we're lacking in. We're looking for something we already have. Kelly and I are driving around Jacksonville looking for the spot, man. Can't find it. She's like, why don't you just ask somebody? I'm like, <clears throat> I know where I'm going. Circles. Going to a gas station. Hey, where is this place? Like, oh, it's right there. That building right there? Yeah. We were already there. We're driving around looking for it. The Lord's like, hey, man, the peace you're looking for, that's why I asked you, you already possess it. Bible says you have the peace of God. It's that stress that gets us away from it. Check out the meaning for it, man. So it's, uh, he says, let not. This is the word for let not. Ready? When he says, let not your heart be troubled. Don't, to agitate, to trouble a thing by the movement of its parts to and fro. I love the word fro. When somebody says, hey, man, where's McDonald's? Fro. <laughs> to cause one inward commotion. Take away his calmness of mind. Disturb his, uh, that word, to disquiet, make restless, to stir up, to trouble. Isn't that what Satan does? That's why he doesn't want you to know that you have it already. He wants you to not let not. But if you realize if I just let not, none of that stuff will happen. Because God gave you that power. When he gave you his peace, he also gave you the power to have it, possess it. Same power that raised up Lazarus from the dead. It's in you. All right, almost done. This is it. When, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Now think about that. They saw Jesus, but they didn't just see Jesus. What did they see in Jesus? They saw the finished work. He showed them his hands. Hey, your peace has been paid for. You don't have to be afraid anymore. And none of them were afraid. They went out in face of death and would just speak about Jesus. They weren't afraid anymore. And they were happy. When you see Jesus in the finished work, it says they're glad. So it's one of the same words for having joy. 
If you're lacking joy, see Jesus in his finished work, and your joy will come back. All right, now Thomas, Thomas, called the twin. We don't know who his twin was. He's not, he's, he wasn't one of the disciples. We don't know. This only, he had a twin, right? I'm like, God, who was the twin? Who was the twin? The twin is us. It's us. I believe it's us. We're, we doubt sometimes, yeah? So Thomas called the twin, uh, one of the 12, was not with them when Jesus came. See what happens when you miss church one Sunday. Just one Sunday. One Sunday. <laughs> he wasn't there. He missed it. Uh, then the other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and I put my finger into the print of the nails and I put my hand into his side, I will not believe. All right. Number one, that's gross. That's just nasty. You'll put your finger in the man's side in a hole. Right. But he's thinking naturally, man. He's thinking naturally. There's Christians that see that way naturally. And so this, what's the second sin that gets you thrown into the lake of fire? Unbelieving. Thomas was unbelieving. Right? Um, and after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them this time. Right? And Jesus came, and the door is being shut. But notice it doesn't shut because of fear. They were shut and stood in the midst and said, peace to you. And you know how the Bible always says, Grace and peace to you. Grace and peace to you. I'm like, Lord, when you're reading, I'm like, Lord, where's where's grace? I see the peace, but where's grace? And the Lord said, grace was standing in the room. Grace was standing in the room. Grace is a person. It's Jesus. He's standing right there, man. And, And then he said to Thomas, did Thomas have to ask? Did Thomas have to say what he said the Sunday before? No, because Jesus knows everything. And Jesus said, Thomas, reach your finger here. Reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. By the way, the word look there is the same word that says revelation seeing. He's saying, Thomas, have revelation seeing. Don't just see by sight. Have revelation seeing. And he looked at it. He looked at it. And he reached in his hand in there and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. He saw. He had revelation eyes to see Jesus. And I want you guys to understand. It's one thing to see. It's a whole other thing when you have revelation eyes to see Jesus. And you see who he is today. You see that he's for you. He's not against you. You see that sin's been completely paid for. Not just the church's sin. The world's sin. Sin is paid for. They just don't know who paid for it. That's the message they need to see. By the way, Thomas said, my Lord and my God. If Jesus were not God, he would have corrected Thomas right there. He'd have said, yo, T, slow your rope. You talking about my father? No, Jesus is God. He is God. He is Lord. He, I hope you saw, he's a savior. He's a healer. He's a, he, he forgives you of sins, especially the first two to get you thrown in the lake of fire. He didn't tell Thomas to repent. He didn't tell Thomas, hey, man, confess that unbelieving before I bless you. No, man, he didn't. You know why? Because, look, look, I'm not against confessing sin. I'm not. I believe I confess my sin, but I don't do it to be forgiven. Because the Bible says I am forgiven. 
I confess my sin because I am forgiven. I'm not against confessing sin. Like some people say, I'm against the method behind it. The heart behind it. If you're telling people they have to confess in order to be forgiven, then you're telling them that Jesus didn't die for their sin. That's a lie from hell. The Bible says Christ died for all sin. Not just the church, the world. I confess my sin because I know I'm forgiven. And I don't sit there and go, oh God, please forgive me. Please. I'm like, God, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you that you can still use me in spite of my failure. Now, that's a message that brings life. That's a message that allows people to get up off the mat and keep walking. And not push them down and say, how can you do this? No, Jesus is, in fact, Lord. He's a savior. He's God. He loves you. The worst sinner that you might think you are. That's what that Mary was. It's what Peter denied him. You ever denied Jesus in front of somebody? You ever feel like you committed the, uh, the unpardonable sin? I used to think I committed that all the time. And <laughs> the unpardonable sin is rejecting Jesus. That's it. Just rejecting the payment for your sin. That's the, that, that's the only thing that will keep you out of heaven, is rejecting Jesus. He is the only way to get into heaven. But if anything, during this Easter season, as we celebrate it, I, man, I, I hope that more and more of you guys see Jesus for who he really is today. The new covenant. The heart of God, not the hand of God, the heart of God. Amen. Are you blessed, church? All right. Well, will you got. Yeah, let's give Jesus a hand. Let's give him a praise. He. Uh, he deserves all of it. So I wanted to uh, to ask you guys to stand and pray with me. Uh, I asked the band to come on up. That's cool. And uh, and play us a song. Um, if you are looking for a church, this is. Uh, who we are this is what we believe this is uh I mean, doesn't matter who it is you're going to get the same consistent message and uh that's the finished work of jesus that's the message that brings life to people if that if that's a church you want to be a part of we have this uh this class that you got to take for 12 weeks <laughs> that's not true man you are qualified so we just have a sheet of paper down here that we'd like to get some information on that's all so that we can send you stuff to let you know what's going on and we're not some kind of social club over here we uh we truly are people that care for one another and that would pray over each other and just share and do life together so if you want to be a part of this church we'd love for you to come down and do that if you have some prayer requests going on if you feel like you got a bad report coming up, you got some fear, you got some anxiety, you got some unbelief in you, man, I'll just help you. I'll just pray over you and remind you who you are. I'll, I'll, I'll remind you just like when Jesus said the name Mary and she knew exactly who he was at that point. I, I, I want to be able to remind you who you are and remind you that God makes every circumstance in your life work for your good. So if you need prayer, I'll be down here and I'll pray with you. I'd love to pray with you. And the most important thing is, if you don't know who Jesus is, but now you do, now how can you not know who Jesus is right now? How can you not know that he loves you, that he died for you, that he's alive today? And because he's alive, we are blessed beyond measure. Yes. And he's no longer holding our sin against us. He's no longer waiting for you to confess in order for, to have a conversation with him. He loves people. He loves you. If, if, you, if you haven't accepted Jesus, if you hadn't said with your mouth, uh, that he's your savior and believe in your heart that he's alive today man please do that i'll be right here it'll change your life forever but for eternity yes. for eternity if that's you man come down listen it only takes a second or two i just did it 
and, it, and, and you're saved for eternity. Amen. If that's you, please come down and let me just talk with you and do that. We will not go through your sins. I promise you. Because I don't have time. Amen? Amen. But don't, don't walk out of here if, if the Holy Spirit's calling you to do that. Okay? And, and I'm not one of those guys that say if you, if you leave here and don't do it and you die, you're going to hell. Listen, I believe that the Lord loves you. Amen. I believe that the Lord will keep you. I believe that if God's laying on that heart, he will give you every opportunity to do that. He won't take you out because you didn't. That's fear. That's not for us. That's right. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, go ahead, Pastor. Amen.